something to say. and welcome to Project Shadow episode number 561, Wet Hot Vampire Slayer for the Rebels. Hi, I'm author C.E. Dorset, but you can call me Eric. Uh, it's been quite a day. I'm sorry I didn't get an episode out yesterday. I really meant to, but I was in classes all day. And yeah, by the time I realized what time it was, it was really, really late. And yeah, I just didn't get one done. I'm really sorry. Um... But the good news is I was taking classes so to figure out exactly how to get you guys the best content that I could. So in a way, even though I failed to get an episode out yesterday, I was working really, really hard to try to figure out how to get you more stories and fiction and podcasts and all the things that you do love. So I kind of did things right. Hopefully you see that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to try to make that a regular thing. Looks like I'm you know, two for two as far as weeks missing an episode, but I'm going to try to do better. Today, the new uh, issue of the Project Shadow Agenda newsletter went out. If you did not receive yours, maybe you didn't subscribe. Head over to projectshadow.com and subscribe, and you'll be up on all the things that are going on here at the project, as well as, you know, first in line to receive free fiction there is a new story about to come out exclusively for subscribers to the to the newsletter. So head on over there, sign up. It's free. I respect your privacy. I'm not going to give your information away. I promise. I promise. I promise. And I promise to keep the you know information good. And hopefully you'll enjoy everything that I'm doing over there. But do subscribe. It will help you keep connected to everything that we're doing here at Project Shadow, as well as everything that's coming up with some upcoming convention appearances and whatnot. So, did you see it? Did you see it? Um, the new trailer is out for Avengers Age of Ultron. This is the third trailer that they have released, and this one I think is... At least for me, one of the more entertainings, it's vo the voiceover is entirely James Spader's Ultron, explaining his devious plan to destroy the world with a few cut-ins from the other characters talking about what they've been doing. This one was really compelling, and there's a couple things that I feel that need to get called out in this. Number one, after you see the Avengers Age of Ultron macro go up at the end, wait. There's a very quick shot of the vision right after that. It's not very good. Can't really see a lot, but it's kind of the first time we've gotten a real look at what the vision's going to look like in the movie. I thought it looked really cool. And I'm excited about that because I loved Agent Carter. And if you haven't seen Agent Carter, you have to watch Agent Carter. Agent Carter was one of the best TV shows to come out on a, in a long time. Oh, such a good show. Um... And the gentleman who plays Jarvis on that show is the same actor that's going to be playing Ultron in... Uh, not Ultron, um, The Vision in the Age of Ultron movie. So, 
he was really good in that, so I'm really looking forward to him in this, in, in Age of Ultron. The second thing that just has to be called out in this, because it just blew me away, was it's very quick, it's very quick, but Tony Stark picks up Loki's staff that has the mind gem in it. Don't know what he's going to do with it. Have no idea what he's going to do with it. Had a brief conversation with some of my friends to try to see what they thought was going to happen. We kind of came to the consensus that this might be very early on, that they might be doing a two-villain story arc where Baron von Strucker, who was the enemy put forward in the end credits after, I believe it was Thor Dark World. Um, maybe it was... Um, Guardians of the Galaxy. It's really hard for me to remember what is... No, at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy, it was just Howard the Duck thing. So it was Dark World. Um, I think. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. The Baron Von Strucker creates um, the Wonder Twins. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Um, he has the mind, the mind Gem and Loki's staff there. So what we're thinking is that he's kind of the initial villain... And Tony Stark gets his hands on the Mind Gem. And if you remember from the age of, um, the last Avengers movie, the Mind Gem showed people things. And we're thinking that the idea for Ultron may come out of the Mind Gem, and the Mind Gem might be what gives Ultron his intelligence. Just our theory right now. Um, not really anything to go off of that other than it would be kind of nifty. Because we're all trying to figure out exactly what's going to cause Ultron to go crazy. You know, because hopefully it's not just going to be a simple, he's a robot. Of course he went crazy, because that's what robots do, yo. <sighs> hopefully it's not going to be that simple, but we, we, we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. But it looks really good. I'm excited. May 1st is the release date, and we'll be talking about it more as it is approaching over at Slash Film, they put up a list of all of the new series that they have coming out as far as when they and when they are coming out. Told you we'd talk about this a little bit more. And some of these I'm not all that excited about. Apparently in May there's going to be a show called Between, which is a Canadian survivalist thriller. Yeah. Not really not my thing. So, apparently there's going to be a plague. It sounds very Jeremiah-esque. There's a plague that kills off everybody over the age of 21. Might give it a chance just because, well, I have a Netflix account and I liked Jeremiah, so maybe. But I don't see Straczynski or anybody else listed on this. And unfortunately, with the description that they gave, it sounds like it also ran for me because, you know, I've already seen a show like this, so... I'm not all that excited, you know, unless it's, you know, kind of wrapping up some of the stuff that happened in Jeremiah. But we'll we'll see. Keep an eye on it as things are approaching. Um, June 5th, we've already talked about Sense8, which is the new show, show by the Wachowskis and J, J. Michael Straczynski. Very excited about this. Um, this gives us, a, this article gives us, I think, at least for me, one of the best descriptions I have seen about it. The official synopsis. One gunshot, one death, one moment out of time that irrevocably links eight minds in disparate parts of the world, putting them in each other's lives, each other's secrets, and e 
in terrible danger. Ordinary people suddenly reborn as sensates. Well, first of all, I'm glad to see that I was right. <laughs> if you remember when we talked about the last synopsis that came out, I made a big point about how they hired a Me you know a Mexican actor and a Bollywood actress, and they were casting actors who were more famous around the world, and hoping that that actually had something to do with what the plot. It sounds like it does. Very excited about this. So, yay. Can't wait. Gonna check it out. I'm kind of excited about it, but I'll be more excited when I can see a trailer and get an idea of what it's going to be like, because there's part of me afraid that it's going to be like, what was that show, Touch? You know, with a little kid that could kind of see things, and yeah. Hoping it's not going to be like that. Hoping it's not going to be like Heroes, because I didn't like either one of those, but we'll see. On June 12th, Orange is the New Black Season 3. Yay! I'm very excited about this. And the best news ever, it will be 100% Larry-free. So, yay! That's also very exciting. On July 17th, Wet Hot American Summer, first day of camp. I can't believe how excited I am about this. I really can't. Um, okay, if you have never seen the movie Wet Hot American Summer, it's really not what it sounds like. It's a Janine Garofalo movie from 2001. Well, she's one of many, many actors in it. It was a really funny show. I lo loved it. It was so funny. Um, and the idea that they got the full cast of the original movie, everybody from the original movie is coming back for this. I don't know if it's just going to be that they're going to have cameos or if they're actually going to be starring in it. We're going to have to wait and see on that. But they didn't really list anybody other than the cast for the movie. It was a really funny movie. If you can check it out, check it out. I... I, I, I'm excited. I'm hoping that it comes out really, really good, but we'll have to wait and see. Other things that are coming that were not on this initial list, the Tina Fey created Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which I can't wait for, March 6th, which means it's almost here! Yay! I cannot wait for that. Apparently Kyle Chandler is getting a drama named Bloodlines, which I have not heard much about. Eh. Daredevil will be premiering on April 10th, so hmm, that sounds interesting. And a Jane Fonda Lily Tomlin comedy called Grace and Frankie on May 8th. I love Lily Tomlin. Never was a big Jane Fonda fan, though. I will say, granted, this was a long time ago, but in 9 to 5, Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin have really good on screen chemistry in that movie. It's one of my favorite movies, favorite comedies, especially. So, that makes me happy about this. And Jane Fonda was really good in Newsroom. So, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that, too. So, a lot coming up for the Netflix soon. Can't wait to see how all that actually plays out. But, in some ways, I'm actually more excited about the Wet Hot American Summer, just because it's one of those comedies that I don't know a lot of people who have seen it. And it just, it made me laugh a lot. It, and I don't know. There's something about getting the full cast of a movie back to do a series based on the movie that I've, I've never really seen that before. So that, I don't know. 
There's something about that that just is, it seems more special to me. It kind of be like, imagine if Marvel announced tomorrow that they're going to do an Avengers TV series, like a live action TV series, but they're actually going to have Chris Evans and all them play their characters in it. That would be awesome. So, I don't know, we'll have to wait and see exactly how that pans out, but it's, it, I don't know. I don't know why that excites me so much, but it do. So, I'm just going to let it be exciting. Alrighty, and now we go on to the wonderful world of Clone Wars. Oh no, did I say that? I meant Rebels. The animation style is so similar between the two, but it's so different that it feels like a continuation of the original series, but it's not... I don't know. It gets weird sometimes. So, Star Wars Rebels season finale finally happened, and... If you do not want spoilers, now is the time to check out. Because I'm going to give some spoilers, because the very end of this episode was amazing. And if you haven't heard it already, you probably haven't been anywhere where people are talking about Star Wars online. Okay? Alright? Okay. So, apparently, they have killed the Inquisitor already, which surprised the hell out of me, because I thought they were setting him up to be the big bad for the series, and... Those words of his, some things are worse than death, before he jumps, falls, however you want to describe it, off of the catwalk, down into the explosion, which I am presuming killed him. I was not expecting that at all. Like, so much of the show has been so kidsy in a way. It reminds me a lot of Clone Wars Season 1, where they hadn't realized that they needed to do a family audience yet, and were really aiming for the kids and so you know to actually see characters dying you know blew me away and to say that nobody died in this episode is ridiculous because they blew up quite a few tie fighters in the episode so people died but i i really was not expecting for things to go the way that they did with the inquisitor i also thought it was an interesting counterpoint to what happened in Phantom Menace, where you see them go into the room with the pylons. It's very reminiscent of the fight with Darth Maul in Phantom Menace. And I, it, it went backwards in that you have um, Ezra getting hurt instead of Qui-Gon Jinn getting killed. So it's the Padawan, not the Master, who ends up getting hurt. And I was starting to wonder if they actually killed him because of the way um, his Master reacted to it. But seeing him take this moment to center himself in the Force, and that wonderful line when he stands back up, that you have shown me something very important, I was a coward, but you have given me nothing left to fear. That was such a powerful moment when he stood up and lit both lightsabers and just went after the Inquisitor. I mean, wow, that was that 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 was amazing. And I also liked, you know, how he cut the Inquisitor's lightsaber in half. Not that we haven't seen anything like that before, but I thought the way that they did it was visually spectacular and the way that Again, this season kind of rhymed, which is the way George Lucas always talked about it, with the end of the other episode ones, if you will. So, you know, with the big 
Star Destroyer getting getting destroyed in this one. Um, it uh, the episode blew me away and gives me a lot of hope that hopefully they're going to go the way the Clone Wars did, be a little bit more serious in episodes to come. I think that this season was the best season that they had to kind of be jokey because things hadn't gotten real yet, but things have gotten real. They're now clearly on the Imperial radar. And, you know, I don't want this to become, you know, the Power Slash Rangers, you know, and get all dark and gritty. But, you know, I think Clone Wars showed that there is a middle ground that a show can take where it's light enough for the kids, but serious enough for the adults. And I'm hoping that this show goes that way. At the end of the episode, though, there are those two big reveals that, one, they're bringing Darth Vader in. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, when Darth Vader exited the uh, shuttle, that gave me chills in such a strong way. And then, of course, finding out that Fulcrum is Ahsoka Tano. That... Because we, we had been guessing all along, who was it, who was it, who was it. We had kind of settled on that it was probably Mon Mothma. Because they they given enough clues that we knew it was a woman. Falcon was a woman. And so we had kind of guessed that it was Mon Mothma. Because she was the head of the rebellion and all that. Or maybe a really young Leia, but we didn't think that they were going to go that way. And so we kind of settled on Mon Mothma. And then when she pulled her cloak back... And revealed that it was Ahsoka Tano. I almost cried. I was so excited. Because, I mean, you know how I felt when Clone Wars ended. That it ended with just Ahsoka walking away. And not knowing what happened to her. And not seeing her mentioned in anything. Because we're going to get future stories about other characters from Clone Wars. That they hadn't really you know, sealed up their storyline yet. But... I loved Ahsoka. Ahsoka's character arc was so powerful watching her grow up. And she really does grow up in course of the six seasons that Clone Wars had. Watching her grow up, watching her become a Jedi and even better than the Jedi. It was such a powerful story arc to just have her walk away and then not know what happened to her. And now there's so many more questions. Okay, so she survived Order 66. That's phenomenal. How how did she survive it? I'm assuming it was, you know, because she wasn't a Jedi at the time, you know, there were no clone troopers near enough to her to just attack, but everybody knew that she was a Jedi. So I, I would assume that they sent troopers out after her and she's been in hiding. I don't know. There's so many questions that I have and I hope that they answer them. I'm really excited about this. And then, of course, there's the big mind-blower of what's going to happen when Vader realizes that the head of the Rebellion is Ahsoka Tano. I mean, that's going to destroy him. That this I Here's my theory, that the show is going to get incrementally darker. And I hate to say it, but before the series is out, Vader himself will kill Ahsoka Tano. And that is going to be why he tells Luke that there is no good left in him. Trust him. Others have tried. She's going to try to redeem him. And fail. That's my theory. I can't prove it, but if I were writing this series, that's what I would do. Because it's the perfect opportunity for that. I don't want to see her die. I don't want to see her die. But, oh, 
I, I, I think that that would be a powerful, powerful moment in Star Wars. So we, we'll have to see. But it's not just me that was excited about this and just completely emotionally overwhelmed and taken aback by how it made me feel. The outpouring on social media, media got Dave Filoni, who is the executive producer for Rebels. I mean, he himself is overwhelmed at how people reacted to the reveal that it was Ahsoka Tano. He said on Facebook, and I quote, Nothing could have prepared us for the outpouring of emotion and cheers when Ahsoka Tano appeared. As someone who has watched over her character from the beginning, I was overwhelmed by the reaction. Little Ahsoka has come a long way, and I think many fans have grown up right alongside her. I'm looking forward to her to your continuing journey with her as she attempts to guide our rebels our rebel heroes in these dark and dangerous times. And I think that's where he's telegraphing it. Dark and dangerous times. I think that's where he's telegraphing that the show is going to get darker and a little bit more like Clone Wars in its tone. You know, a little bit less lighthearted. I mean, it's still going to have the humor to it to a certain degree, but it, it's, you know, th- think about how this season ended compared to how this season began. It was a very lighthearted show. I mean, Ezra was just cracking jokes left and right. You know, he and I mean, all the characters were very lighthearted. And by the time we get you know, about halfway through the season, it did start getting steadily and steadily darker. They're they're slowly moving that way because they have to make you understand how serious it is or, you know, you're not going to be emotionally involved in the story. And I think they're doing a really good job at that. So I'm excited to see this idea that she's, I don't know if she's going to be a regular on season two or not, but to see her back, to see her Oh, it, it it just blew me away. I'm very excited about that. And Sci-Fi Pulse is reporting that Sarah Michelle Gellar has been cast for season two of Star Wars Rebels. We have no idea who she's going to play yet, so it could quite literally be anybody. But this is exciting. Um, I also think it's interesting that she and Freddie Prince Jr. are married, so they they might play with that in some way. Because if you've read the first Star Wars Rebels book that the, that came out, um, that kind of set up how he how Kanan and Hera met, he has kind of a dark and twisted past to him, and she might be someone from that past. I don't know. She could also be a villain which I think would be amazing, especially if all of us are right and the actress who plays Brienne of Tarf is going to be one of the major Sith Inquisitor villains in the upcoming Star Wars Force Awakens movie. (laughs) Have her play a young version of that character or something. I don't know. There's a lot of things that I think we could do with that they could do with her. I'm excited about this because... Well, I I really, okay, I was upset when I heard that Freddie Prince Jr. was going to do it, but he's done a very good job as Kanan. I was expecting him to really cheese it up, and he didn't. So, we'll have to see how this works, but I'm, I'm, I like the idea of Sarah Michelle Gellar getting involved in this. 
she's been a lot of things that I've loved in the past, and I don't see why I would change my mind about that now. And finally, I may have to start watching the originals. I kind of gave kind of gave up on the Vampire Diaries. I'd been watching it for a while. I went back and rewatched the earlier season. Got up to where the cast of the originals was introduced. I kind of liked them. I thought that they were interesting. And for one reason or another that I really can't lay my fingers on, once the show was spun off, I watched the pilot and didn't really continue watching it. And I stopped watching um, The Vampire Diaries itself, too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. But they just cast Claudia Black to play a villain. So, oh... So, in the second half of the second season, she is going to be playing Esther, the mother of Finn, um, uh, I don't know. This story is a little confusing as far as how they're going to bring her in, but I have been such a huge fan of Claudia Black for such a long time. I might have to start watching the show. So... If any of you are watching the originals, let me know if it's a show that I'm going to have to get caught up on or if I'll just be able to dip in when she comes into the show and follow it from there. I'm assuming it's going to be kind of soap opery like The Vampire Diaries was and I'm going to have to get caught up. Let me know. Dang it, why'd they have to cast Claudia Black? I was fine not having to, not watching the show. And then they decided that I had to. Anyway, that does it for today. Um, I hope you had a good time. I am glad for this time to talk with you. Um, I have started playing around with video on Twitter. They added this new feature where you can post 30-second videos, and I've been kind of playing around with it as kind of a way to vlog or something. You know, because it's just enough time to get one thought out. So I've been playing around with that, and I'd like to know what you think. You can follow me at C.E. Dorset on Twitter. You can go to Project Shadow for our show notes, projectshadow.com for our show notes, and sign up for the newsletter there. There is a new original short story coming out exclusively to the newsletter, so... Be sure to sign up so that you get that when it comes out. It's going to be a prelude to the novel that I'm working on and give you kind of a hint at what I'm working on. I'm very excited about that. Very excited. may not sound like it because it's a lot of work, but I'm really excited about it. I, I think that it's going... I hate to say this because I say this about everything that I do, but I think it's going to be the best book that I've done so far. Very. I can't, I can't wait to start sharing more about it with you guys. So definitely go sign up for the newsletter and you'll get that as soon as it comes out as well as just be very tightly in the loop about everything going on in the project. So some of the weird ideas that I've been having um, lately that I don't even know how to put into words. Though I did put them into Gaelic. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a thing. So definitely go check that out. Head over to ProjectShadowAgenda.com. That's our known site. That's where you can find out everything that you need to know about me and what's going on. That's our community site. So be sure to participate over there and have some have the fun with that. Um, yeah. So that's it for today. 
It's the second recording from my office. How do you like the sound? I moved the mic today. It's in a different place, hoping to get a better sound than I did on the last episode. Let me know what you think. Anyway, this is Eric, and I will see you later. Have the fun. Bye.